It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Dave Hanrady and the Rubino Onco. Welcome to episode 52 of the No Onco Music Podcast. Spectacular extravaganza of music podcasts. We are back together for the first time since the live show because Craig, to my left, was on a stag weekend. Yeah, yet another stag. Um, With a bunch of lads. Third time's the charm. I can't believe I'm the, I've am i become the guy that goes to lots of stags. Oh, I can believe it. You really? Can, why? Because you're the laddish one. You're Am a I? hashtag lad. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do you, have a popped collar right now on you a do t-shirt. Have a popped collar, yeah. I'm it, actually wearing a t-shirt, by the way. That's not a t-shirt. Oh, I'm, not getting, I'm, not, I'm not getting into this. I'm not, I'm not wasting valuable podcasts. Okay, time. okay. Speaking of wasting valuable time, Hello, I have been Colin wondering... Welcome back from the Choice Music Prize. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, sir. Before we get into the choice, I have been wondering, Craig, Yes. given that the last time we were together, I was freaking out over like the stage times for the live show, giving 15 to 20 minute slots per artist and oh, yeah. segment and so on and so forth. Did the stripper stay within her allotted time on the boat in Amsterdam? I can neither conform, confirm nor deny. <laughs> I won't conform. I won't be the person I'm expected to be anymore, Craig Fitzpatrick. No, I never will be again. Um, Answer his question, though. Efficient? Did you get this woman's name, or did you just treat her like a piece of meat? <laughs> what was the plan there? Make I really can't go into it, but Cullum is suffice, to say, oh suffice to say it was members of the stag party who were being treated like pieces of meat as I watched on in horror. <laughs> I did lend them my belts, though. What? <laughs> Whoa. To do what? 
Well, she was just like whipping the shit out of. I feel like we should really move on. <laughs> yeah, that's dreadful. Amsterdam. So you're very tired at the moment. Yes, I am. Having quite four re- days later, I'm quite recovered. <laughs> it's not a good sign. I'm good. It's not a good I'm sign good. For, your, for your late twenties now, is it? Do you reckon this might be the end? Uh, this is the last stag I'm going to have, unless like either you guys have you know a big question coming up. Anything no plan. Soon? No plan. No man, I don't. All right. Okay. Cool. I very much. So that's don't. me done. Cole Regan, yes, sir. Tell us all about the Choice Music Prize. You caught up Bruce and Gano family after they won. I did, of course. Yeah, you and you heard that last week. And you were the reason that they won. You and ten other people. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I'm not at liberty to give everything away, but uh, let's just say it was a popular winner, and I mean that within the judges' room, to from the other bands that I spoke to that night, and I think pretty much from all the response since, uh, fans, everybody seems to be uh, pretty much behind it. It was a great album. We discussed it like when it was first released, pretty much exactly a year ago. And uh, yeah, it was really nice to, to, to see them up there. And so, so you're saying you spent the first 10 minutes just going, Rusangano family, yeah, guys, and then just drank for the next three hours. I you mean, were <laughs> pulling points for other judges. Tell the truth. <laughs> I was, yeah. I became a kind of a part-time judge, full-time barman. Oh, a shout out to God. everybody at Guinness Storehouse who looked after us. Oh, uh, look at this. He's the stag one. How am I the stag one? <laughs> Everyone in Victor Street as well, and obviously Tony Clayton Lee and Dave Reedy organised the Thing. Uh, it was very enjoyable and hopefully Do you want to Dave, thank your team? Hopefully yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave you, No hopefully I'm saying I'm trying to big them up So that Dave can complete The no encore hat trick Next ah, yes. year Come on Dave left It's foot, time Left foot right foot header And uh, picture this We'll finally get to win The Choice Music Prize <laughs> oh, They won song of the year They did What a non-song I mean look it, 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 It's a public vote Yeah You know They were always in With a good shot of it. To be fair Just thank God Niall Horan Like probably didn't even notice He was nominated <laughs> Because if he gets stuck Into public votes Then like nobody Is a hope Yeah 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 um, I don't know if it would have been much worse, but anyway. The album Boris and Gana Family, by the way, is Let the Dead Bury the Dead. And if you have not heard it yet, get on board, because it is genuinely fantastic and a worthy winner. Uh, in less ebullient news, uh, a few words on Dan Lucas, a journalist for a website I write for, Drown and Sound, and The Guardian, amongst others, passed away suddenly at the age of 31 last week. Uh, awful, awful news. I didn't know Dan terribly personally, but we exchanged a few emails and messages here and there. Uh, a very, very nice guy, a great writer. He was something of a curmudgeon, kind of by trade. It was very very knowing of him like he'd often come out with stuff and make you roll your eyes and kind of you know like message a colleague and be like oh, what the fuck's he up to now but that was kind of his whole thing well not, actually no, that's not even fair it wasn't his whole thing at all I mean I kind of find that like critics if they have the balls to pour scorn on things uh, often get labelled with that brush as an entire thing and in Dan's case there's so much in his work that's actually brimming with positivity and affection and enthusiasm for his subject he got to interview harry shearer of the simpsons around christmas time and i know he's very very proud of that interview in particular and yeah i mean there's a there's been a lot of tributes uh, paid to him already the guardian uh, wrote an excellent thing on him uh, as have many people on drennan sound sharing his his pieces uh craig i know you were familiar with his work yeah of course a uh, big drennan sound fan and um yeah kind of funny guy great kind of turn of phrase um uh, very interesting and just a yeah, massive loss that his, his voice is now gone. Strangely, I was more familiar with Dan uh, from the sports end, uh, which is what he mainly did for The Guardian. Okay, uh, Summers away from home meant that uh, live blogs of rugby and cricket uh, were usually done in his capable hands. And again, yeah, a funny guy, bright guy, a talented writer, and yeah, an incredibly sad loss. Yeah, yeah, and, and terribly, terribly shocking. 31 is no age to go, and mm. I think a lot of people are still in shock. And it's it's really awful. I mean, like, the one positive you could say is that, like, it's been absolutely heartwarming to see the tributes that have been paid, although, as one noted themselves, he probably wouldn't even re- really be into that kind of thing. But that's that was kind of his thing. But no, um, sleep well, Dan Lucas, and farewell. Yeah. Last Sunday, myself and Dave uh, 
managed to get ourselves tickets to uh, what was really one of the hottest tickets in the town. It was, yeah. Um, I mean, fair play to him. Selling out the Workman's Club is hard. Um, <laughs> hey, you know not what? Just, not just anybody can do it, eh? <laughs> Following us as Hilarious. well. Yeah. Like, like, um, well. Hard act to follow, no Encore Live. But, uh, Hamilton Lighthouser was in town. And not just uh, playing for us, Dave got to chat. I did, yeah. I spoke to him before the show. And as a matter of fact, we're going to play that audio in just a few minutes. Cool. And yeah, I mean, like... Jealous. Well, what I would say is uh, there is uh, some uh, rhythm in the background. And that's the sound of uh, the percussionist that I brought along to accompany the interview. No, no, it's the drums being sound checked in the Workman's Club. So it doesn't get in the way of the interview, but in case you're wondering what's going on, that's what's going on. Lovely guy. Yeah. Uh, very Good. very tall man. Oh, he seems, yeah, kind of not imposing, but... Uh, a kind of statuesque it's figure. Hand, it's handy when you've got a low stage man, as well. I'd say in person. He's a handsome man, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah like, kind of like, like carved out of wood, facially. Yeah, I think we all have a man crush on him. And uh, yeah, like very generous uh, to, to give us the time and to talk to us. And you'll hear about that in just a moment. But as for the gig itself, Colm, what do you reckon? I enjoyed it, I must say. I mean, it's kind of short and sweet, really. It probably didn't last much more than an hour. Yeah, about an hour long. He played vast majority of tracks off the off the album, with the collaborative album with Rostam, I Had a Dream That You Were Mine, and a couple of tracks off Black Iris' excellent solo debut. Oh, cool. And we were in the Workman's, yeah, it was like, uh, we were kind of at the back because we kind of dotted in a little bit late, and oh, therefore it was like... Drinking, were you? Maybe, <laughs> at a nearby boozer. <laughs> the uh, benefit of him being tall, though, is that we could we could see what was going on yeah. from the back of the room. I had to move a couple of times, though, because as usual, at gigs, I appear to be oh. a magnet for the worst fucking people imaginable. Yeah, Probably uh, people that turned up on time, though, so... <laughs> I just don't understand why you would go to a gig and not stop talking during yeah. it. Especially In the workman's like, room, yeah, like, where know, it's, it's just like so a, intimate. To whatever. be fair, I suppose the one thing that you'll say is that it's not exactly like Hamilton Lighthouse, there is a delicate wallflower who's going to be drowned out by the people yeah, chatting around. Uh, that voice is powerful uh, live as it is on record. It's and probably especially in a room like that. Just exceptional. I mean, it really, really is. And there's still no call for someone to be like, oh, members of his band were in Spoon. They're a fine band. Shut up. Do it after the fucking show. <laughs> At least it's informative, I suppose. It's not just like, so I, what I, are we doing I after this? I didn't this? order a running commentary, but Hamilton was awesome. And he was also very, very fun to talk to. Let's have a listen. Yeah, so it's the last night of the tour. Yeah, it is. How's it been? Um, it's been great. I can say maybe the most fun tour I've ever done in my life. And I've done a lot of tours, so I think I actually mean that. It's not just one of those soundboy things. No, I think it really, I think actually, I mean, I have no other motivation to say it now. It's over, you know. <laughs> the tickets are sold. Well, I was kind of reading before, though, like you said, when you first went solo, like you were quite scared seeing your name on bills and that kind of thing. I assume that's kind of subsided a bit now, I've it? gotten used to that. That was a little weird, reading my own name in print and stuff. It just feels so personal, you know? It's not like somebody's writing about your band. They're, writing about, they're like, judging you as, like, a human being. Uh, but I, I've gotten used to that now. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, like, a lot of the... At least the press notes that I've kind of seen or read have been very positive. Seems people have really taken to this phase of your career. So like, you seem to be quite happy with it as well in terms of the material that you're putting together. I am. I'm really proud of my my record. And uh, yeah, the, the tour is going pretty great, actually. Uh, i got to ask you, though, um, it might seem like a weird question, but what was the last film that you watched? Uh, it would have been something on this tour. Um, oh, I watched, I watched um, David Brent like the you know Ricky Gervais from The Office what's it, it it's called David Brown. I don't know what it's called uh, Life on the Road is yeah it? Life on the yeah, Road yeah. and he's like a solo guy hiring up this band and they all just like hate him and I was watching it in the van with my hired band and it was 
sort of cringy for a little of it. Is there some comfortable parallels there, by any chance? Yeah, definitely. Well, you can start draw once you start drawing them, you can really start making yourself feel a little funny. Well, the reason I ask is because I mean, I thought Black Arrows was a very, very cinematic record. I mean, I remember like I reviewed it, and my first line was Hamilton Lighthouse wrote a Bond theme because like 5am I hear that song and I just cannot not picture it on the opening credits of a James Bond movie well if only they had heard it you know <laughs> and not Adele I could have gotten a sweet sink yeah <laughs> uh, well maybe someday I kind of feel like it does sync up very well but that record though felt extremely like you were trying to call back or harken back to a certain era of kind of golden entertainment I think even some of your shows were described as like double bills or features or something I uh, I wanted to do, I've, I really wanted to do like a, a more symphonic record that had a big orchestrated band and uh, I started out really trying to make it all that and then uh, in time we ended up writing a lot of rock and roll songs so it sort of was halfway between one and the other but um, yeah it's something I've always been interested in is not using like band, you know rock band instruments and doing a sort of almost jazzier record well, that kind of leads perfectly to the collaboration with Rostam. Like, I read an interview with him, and he was saying that he was... Like, he sounded practically giddy to take one of his favorite singers and just kind of be able to bend and shape you in whatever way he kind of brought to the project. So how malleable were you to his ideas and his kind of direction? We, at first, we sort of butted heads a little bit. I remember at the beginning when you're sort of not really used to how the other guy's going to work. Um, and maybe I don't want to do something that he wants to do and vice versa. But in time, I think we sort of got used to where, what, what roles we, well, we didn't have roles, but where, what, like, ways to approach the other guy, what key words not to use when you're saying something, you know, might tip somebody off a little bit. Um, and uh, so, but, you know, I knew I liked his music, and I know he liked my music, and so you have that common trust, and that's where you can be sort of like, okay, you know what, this sounds a little funny, but this guy... I think this guy knows what he's talking about, so I'm going to give it a whirl, and we'll see what happens. Was there any particular keyword that you never want to hear him say again? <laughs> um, I mean, nothing specific comes to mind, but I can. It does seem like we sort of had our a lot more road bumps at the beginning, and then we kind of figured out where we, how we were doing things after we had less. It seems like the chemistry is so natural that, like, I was surprised to read that you guys. I know you grew up kind of in a similar scene, and I know Vampire Weekend supported the Walkman before, but mm-hmm. you know. You could almost think that you were like high school or childhood friends or something, but it was only recently a proper kind of. Yeah, it's funny. We did. We only really got to be friends like four years ago, and um, but there is sort of a familiarity that I think we both have with each other. It sort of feels like we've known each other for a lot longer. I don't know why that is. We're both from Washington D.C., but there's plenty of people in Washington D.C. I have no like feeling of familiarity with. Um, so it, I, I don't know we, we sort of clicked as friends very quickly he said something interesting though where like you, you were both interviewed and you kind of rejected the idea of being revivalists or kind of like you know like just necessarily like you can look to, I think you can look to songs even like a thousand times there's obviously like a you know Peter Paul and Mary thing going on there but it's very much its own song like it's very much its own kind of very very strong piece of music so was it difficult to find that balance um, well it's not Peter Paul and Mary because I don't like their version of that song actually and they didn't write that song um I mean, yeah, with everything we do, we, um, we, we, I, I listen to so much music and so does he. And you're, you're very aware of like the people in the past who have made this stuff before you and why you're influenced by why we have doo-wop shoe-ops on our records. I mean, 
because of the flamingos and bands about a million bands like that and it's fun to like look back and find those little nuggets that you like so much and try to put them into your own song but it's important to not like try to frame it as just you know you don't need to also be singing about bubblegum and have you know an arrangement be all authentic and if you know if we were doing that that would just be boring so we've got to combine it with our own what we feel like is our own contemporary vibe or some other sounds or uh, lyrics or whatever it is that we feel is like making it our own does the kind of glass half full half empty thing interest you at all because a song like The Bride's Dad I get a real kind of glimmer of hope from it I, I, I think it's very wry like I, I, I think it's really kind of the, it's all about the punchline for me that song right but I think you could play it for someone else and they'd be like oh Jesus that's really fucking depressing uh, it's not supposed to be depressing I mean it is about a down and out guy but it's sort of all the more interesting right I mean any like good novel or whatever is going to write about they're going to choose the character that has like the so it's with like a conflict or with a flaw or you know that's what but it's definitely like a hero a, a, the, the central figure of that song is definitely like a hero it's definitely you're definitely rooting for that guy oh yeah totally do you ever find yourself feeling like a novelist I would love to be able to write something like that I I, I, I don't know if I have it in me but I do I, I read a lot and I would it would be fun to be able to um, to do that I, I don't know if I can I could I don't know if I have it a lot of these do feel like short stories set to music, though, so you, you might have it in you. Well, maybe someday, when, I'm, when I've completely blown my voice to smithereens, I might not have another choice. <laughs> do you think that's coming? I hope not, but I don't know. <laughs> have you ever had a doctor kind of say, ease up? I had a doctor um, tell me that I'd clear me, probably six years ago, or seven years ago. And I was so, I finally, I had been doing this so long, and I'd really been singing hard with the walk around for so many years, so I finally went to the, my first throat doctor. And she stuck a camera down my throat and all this stuff. And it came up with a clean bill of health. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I really couldn't. But I was, I'm still holding on to that. Seven years ago. Yeah, seven uh, years ago. You know, I, I, I had to go to the dentist recently after a few years. Right, that's tough. Didn't I didn't get the clean bill of health from the dentist. Didn't thought. go. No, no one ever does. That's how they make their money. They find so many other She problems. told me, it was, last time I left the dentist, they said it's going to be eight to $10,000. That was the last time I saw the dentist. I left. <laughs> That's fair. In terms of stories, though, uh, I have to ask you about one from a few years ago in which you went on Twitter and said, uh, to the three morons who tried to mug me, uh, uh, I'm going to throw your phone in the river. Right. What yeah. happened there? That is a moment of rare courage for me. I was, I was sitting in a park in Lisbon, and I was reading a book, and it was like this terrace that overlooks the city, and... I had a computer in a bag right next to me, in like a little tote bag, and uh, some guy came up and said, will you take a picture of me at this, in front of this view, in sort of broken English, so I said, sure, so I, he handed me his phone to take the picture, and I was taking the picture, and I thought, you know, something's weird here, and I turned around and looked, and there's two other guys stealing my computer out of my bag behind me, and so it was, you know, the guy was obviously in on it, and they were doing that, and so I went back, and I... I grabbed my computer from the guy, and then uh, and then they ran off or something. And then the first guy came back. He goes, "Oh, I can't believe that, you know, those, the nerve of those guys." And I was like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> and I took his phone, and then he, because he was obviously into it. So I, I just, I, I took it from him, and then he, and then all of a sudden he goes, "Okay, fine, give me back the fucking." And then his two friends come back, and then they try to have this big like showdown with me and. My friend Pete showed up and we had this big standoff on the street right there. 
and it was just ridiculous. But I ended up taking his phone. So the net positive for that day was that I ended up with like a BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah. It's a complicated phone. Like, I mean, did you throw it in the river? Right. No, I think I ended up uh, texting his girlfriend that he was a complete slime ball, and I told her what had happened because there was all of his numbers were on his phone. And then maybe I think I threw it in the trash. Jesus. It's a good day's work. Yeah, right. Uh, in terms of what's next for Albums and Lighthouse, though, I mean, do you, could you see yourself revisiting an, another collaborative album, or will it be another solo direction? Um, I, I, I don't know yet. I, I, I imagine that Rostam and I will work together again. I'm sure we will. I don't know how soon, but I know we will. And I'm always working on music. I have plenty of music right now that I've written that I, it doesn't have a home yet, but will soon. You said before, like you were very inspired when you worked in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Like just kind of seeing that kind of work around you was, was inspiring. But obviously, you see different things now, especially on the road. Like, do you get inspired by that, or is it just all kind of? I'm always too like. There's not enough time on the road to end up writing songs. I always would love to be able to do that because it would be such a better use of my days. But um, no, I, I usually have to just be at home in New York, and that's the only place I ever get anything done. But I did, yeah, I used to work at the Metropolitan Museum, and I always found that if you walked around there a lot, it always, I don't know, you always ended up writing a lot of songs. So there we go. Let's hope he does indeed go to the doctor and his voice holds up for the rest of time itself, because he, it's an unbelievable It's an impossible task, though, as Uh, good as it is. (laughs) Until the sun burns out. But uh, yeah, what's going on in the news, boys? Well, uh, Stormzy uh, is taking on NME, or NME probably drew his ire, to be perfectly honest. He's on the cover of the current issue, but apparently uh, wasn't told he was going to be, uh, didn't exactly give his permission to be. Um, And what's more, it's a depression special or mental health special. It is, And he appears to have particularly taken offence to kind of being, I guess, just shoved into the position of poster boy for such an important issue. Well, this is the thing. I mean, this was kind of breaking just before we came on air. And um, he took to Twitter himself and just was being kind of given out hell to them. And it is, I mean, the cover, I mean, you could, we could make an argument, and we will in a minute, that, you know, you can, any kind of publication can put someone undercover. It's grand. But the way it is framed, it, it says depression. It's time to talk. Wise words in this week's free enemy magazine. And depression is kind of like right across his T-shirt, like he's starting some campaign for them. Mm. So it is a bit much. Um, so I can understand why personally he's he's annoyed. Um, it was kind of we didn't really know how this was developing, but it turns out that I was initially thinking, okay, maybe he spoke to enemy before, and they've dipped into the archives because I believe they've kind of got advice or advice or just sorry recollections from the likes of Lady Gaga and stuff like that. So I just thought they kind of you know went back over the kind of old interviews and stuff and piece uh, this kind of piece together around that. But it would seem it's literally this kind of interview he gave to Channel Four News very very recently. And from what he's saying on Twitter, they've been kind of begging him for quite a while to do a cover piece. And he seems to be insinuating that they've just seen this kind of quite personal television interview and thought, oh, there's our quotes. He doesn't have to do it now. We can just, yeah. So It raises the question of, you know, how wrong is this? And as much as, I mean, I think you can use those quotes if they're out there, especially if they're put in a national broadcaster. But it's all about context, really. And, I mean, you can use them as part of a wider piece, which you can you can go, and, like, just recently, Stormzy spoke to Channel 4 News and said this. But to market it, 
this way as if you know because i was also under the impression well he must have done an interview with them as part of a group thing and then didn't realize they're going to use him for the cover mm. and that's why he's pissed off and it turns out the entire thing is like like no knowledge apparently so mm. to then put him on your cover and like they kind of like in a really poor apology uh issued to him on social media by the enemy twitter account at one point they were like well you know we're fr- we're a free magazine like there's no there's no profit here and Stormzy very correctly shot that down and said but you know the better you do the higher well, yeah, you're, you're not you're not a non-profit yeah, yeah, <laughs> organization exactly, yeah, so don't, try like, and, yeah. don't try and come off like you are it's complete nonsense and i think you know i'm sure there are many instances of magazines out there who put people on the cover who don't know they're on the cover until they're on the cover but and in- that's totally fair game to my mind i mean and you know to a certain extent i mean he decided to go public with his you know experiences of mental health issues um he did a kind of channel for television interview uh, you know, if you're a journalist, you're allowed to use those quotes. Well, again, it's out there now. Again, you don't suddenly get to frame it context, in any way you though, want. Again, context is the word here. And I mean, like like that interview is related to his album, which actually hit number one in the UK, which a grime album has never done before. And it's, you know, quite a big deal. And he was kind of relaying his experiences and his own kind of ignorance and then his own kind of, you know, struggles himself. So it's all in relation to, and he felt that he, if he didn't put those words out there, that he would feel a bit fraudulent. In this situation, it is quite fraudulent to put him on the cover as if, as you said, Craig, it looks like he's like spearheading a campaign. Yeah. An enemy are being very kind of like, you know, it's time to break the stigma. And what I want to say is this. I think that there's a movement, and there has been in recent times, and I say this as someone who wrote a piece, uh, like I, I wrote a piece on my own mental health for Headstuff over a year ago, and or about a year ago, and I also wrote a, a review of a brand new gig I went to about a year and a half ago in which I kind of, you know, wrote about my own experiences. And a lot of people do write about their own experiences that way, and... I think we're in dangerous territory sometimes. I think that there is a commodification of mental health and depression. And I think that it can be, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are genuinely trying to do good. A lot of people out there who have noble intentions, but it's a very sensitive issue. And there are times when it can come across as, is this sexy? Is this trendy? Is this what's in now? Is this like, you know, kind of hip almost? And I think... In someone like Stormzy's case, the least you do is go to him and say, hey, listen, man, we want to put you on the front of our cover for this issue that you've talked about recently. And if he says no, he says no. They didn't go to him at all. Now, I know that he's been, at one point, he's kind of like uh, singling out the writer of the piece in question. Which is ridiculous. Which... I would imagine he didn't make the decision to yeah, pick the I, cover that, image. I, I think that's a lack of awareness on Stormzy's part about how the workings of a magazine would be. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, so it does seem like it was just, okay, we're putting together this cover for an overall piece. I haven't seen the overall piece, but I'm guessing in the actual piece, it's not like, here's you know us chatting to Stormzy. But, but like, you totally sh- understand his visceral reaction to this because it's a very personal thing and for it yeah, to be... But, for, I, but I also think you've just recently done a massive Channel 4 well, news yeah, but, interview but it does on it. Look like and you're surprised that Hang like on. but like at the same time now Craig like you and I both worked for, on a magazine uh, around the time of the marriage referendum sure. now, like if we'd yeah. thrown Colin Farrell on the cover of it and taken the quotes that he'd done on like Claire Byrne Live a big national TV interview oh I yeah mean, it you, well, you would have been, been ashamed to do that and this like, would have yeah, been I this agree. exact case and it's like, very I, I agree it's very sly from the enemy but I, I kind of I think the writer should be not singled out first of all and I think it's kind of 
Well, first of all, I mean, it comes back to Enemy now being this free sheet, which is clearly killing the magazine. It's like, you know, stop it, they're already dead. Because they're now tr- desperately trying to get anything on the cover that will generate some kind of interest in the magazine. So they're just, they're totally oh, well, this is the most irrelevant and screwed. This is the most provocative they've been in about 20 years. Well, yeah, but this For all the wrong reasons. For all the wrong yeah, reasons, yeah, exactly. No, they're, they're not the enemy of old, and I don't think they're relevant. I don't think he needs to be that worried because most people won't see it. Like, if yeah. he hadn't mentioned it. Anyway. <laughs> Also provocative as ever uh, right now, Kasabian, who are, go- who, are, lads. who are going to save guitar music it's from blow the, the roof okay, off. Before, before we get there, I want to just kind of say a bit of a mea culpa of my own. I mean, the subheading on this article, also on the enemy, um, kind of, I found it misleading and I kind of read it the wrong way. And essentially, to do with uh, frontman Tom Mahon, he has spoken about his own kind of issues. Uh, I spoke about them last year. Serge Pizzorno, who's kind of, you know, right-hand man. Mm-hmm. The quote was like, you know, he's like the realest fucking man there is. And I saw just this quote as a subheading without reading down. So I'm guilty of that. I shouldn't have. I should have read further. And I thought it was just like typical lad swagger from uh, Kasabian. Yeah, yeah. And then when I read the quotes in context, I was like, oh, fuck, he's actually referring to his mental health issue. But this is, I think you have a misunderstanding of Kasabian in general. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think poor, you very poor Kasabian, much do. the oft misunderstood, <laughs> much maligned, the very less okay, okay, sure, Tom, avant-garde t- niche group, Kasabian. Well, actually, their music's more interesting than you, you definitely give it credit for. I mean, I think their third album in particular has some great stuff on it, and they're very, very good live. Yeah, they are extremely um, good live. Tom, I, I agree with you. He has spent the last decade trying to be a kind of Liam Gallagher replacement, which doesn't always work, but he's harmless. And Serge is actually quite a hippie-ish kind of like, when he's like, yeah, man, he's just so real. Like, he's he's just a kind of away with the fairies. Rock and roll can save everything. Mm. Let's just write some banging riffs and Tom will be back on the tracks, you know? Well, to be fair, I do support the aspect of, you know, like the love he's shown for his brother here. Because yeah, they're very it close. Is, because it is, you know, very real to use uh, one of Serge's lines himself. And I do find that very, you know, encouraging and I think it's a great thing to do. But... To go back to this thing that we just see all the time, I'm fucking sick of it. I'm so sick of guitar music is dead. I'm, I'm, I've had enough of this. I mean, like now, I've had enough of this, and here's why: <laughs> because it's it's shorthand for so many people for the word indie and guitar music. Right? Break it down. There are so like bands many using guitar. It's not just yeah. bands like acoustic singer songwriters, or even like you know, like even like fucking Bantam uses a guitar. You know, yeah. it's like. There are so there are countless acts out there making well, yeah, incredible what, music on a daily basis. In what they're talking about is an indie rock band that's relevant enough to be kind of rubbing shoulders with the Kanye's or the you know. But this is ta- such like it's so reductive and it's so backwards and it's not going to get you anywhere. And, and it's trying to relive the glory days of you know of Oasis and and all that kind of stuff. And I get it, but Jesus fucking Christ, why not like accept what you have? No, but you see, like, the- there are so many bands out there who are doing incredible things. But you, you, you could call them a guitar band, but you don't. Instead, you like like I mean like you know fucking Woo Life, they were a guitar band for me yeah. yeah but you see here's the thing i think we might actually or you might actually be kind of like misunderstanding surge here because like yeah. when he talks about kind of bringing it back to the people that he, he identifies are like esg and talking heads he means from were, like the last record i think yeah and who, like and, but like both of those are kind of like far from sort of indie bands in fact like far more influential probably in other genres than on the sort of like you know regular four-piece 
rock band, yeah. so to speak. I mean, their last record, he spent a lot of time in the studios just working on synth music, and it kind of we got this uh, electronic record, which didn't quite suit them, I don't think. So I think he's essentially just saying, I've been looking at my guitar, and I'm ready to write some massive riffs. Yeah, I think that's par- basically his way I that. don't get, I, I, I don't doubt Kasabian's commitment to their lot. I really don't. Yeah. And like, you know, I think they're trash. Some people think they're incredible. Fair enough. And maybe he will commit with this great guitar-led record. I'm willing to give it a go. But at the same time, I'm just sick of this dress-up. I'm sick of this non-argument. Because the more you fucking hear it, it's like fake news. It's just like, it's like stop saying guitar music is dead when it clearly isn't. I'm just surprised they haven't written an anthem for Lester's league win. Because they're massive Le- maybe Lester Maybe they're really fans. upset about the Cloudy and everything. <laughs> they might be. Maybe might get a ba- that ballad to close it out. Maybe, the they're save- maybe they're saving themselves for the Champions League win. <laughs> can we just agree, though, that even if you guys think I'm, I, I've misunderstood poor Kasabian here... Can we agree that Stereophonics pimping their new album and saying, you know... We're still talking to the kids. We're still talking to the young people and the working class people. Yeah. I was like, what, oh, what is happening? <laughs> I guess they are yeah, because, like, the kids and working class people are probably the only ones who'll pick up, like, cassette tapes from a bargain bin <laughs> these days. Yeah, this is true. Which is probably where Stereophonics albums are most likely to be found. I don't think any working class kids are actually picking up cassette tapes. I think it's very, very middle class <laughs> guys in their 30s. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, Toby Carr taking them out of a skip. You can get your hands on music for free Toby from Anna Lee. still loves you, Stereophonics. <laughs> Sorry, go on. You can get your hands on music for free in a slightly more uh, orthodox way, although maybe not, uh, from Anna Nee this week, uh, who does not want your money, just wants your feelings. Yeah, I mean, this is a kind of... uh, There's a kind of dig in this, isn't there? Because it's a gesture whereby, okay, there's seven songs on Paradise. You'll find six of them on the release, and the final piece of the puzzle is this song that Anani has held back. What you have to do is email Anani and share in a sentence or two what you care most about or your hopes for the future. Now, you're specifically not supposed to go on about how great her music is. Uh, that's one thing. Yeah, but if, then you, she get, if go, you mention me or my work, I will not send the track. Yeah, like, but then she, uh, she goes on to say, um, this, this is kind of in lieu of, you know, back in the old, old days when you would have paid me for this music. And it's a real kind of like trying to make you know put value on music it's but one I just hell of a way to a... distance yourself from that Apple Music kerfuffle you were involved in that's for sure <laughs> uh, I like this idea I think it's kind of cool uh, yeah it's kind of playful maybe it's because I like the artist but yeah I mean, that's the thing I, I if Kasabian just... were doing this I'd be like no piss off what now. would you write because we're probably going to have to do this I think we should do this one as a, of I think we should do this as a collective as a project as a collective yeah no encore collective let's see if we can get the song yeah, three of us with our hopes and dreams yeah yeah our collective hopes and dreams yeah I think we should try it no Okay, well, next well, week on the show, <laughs> we'll it, read them out. It, we, 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 <laughs> do we trust Anony with our secrets? That's the question. Yes. We, we, we might do a review. Kellyanne Conway's already listening to us, <laughs> to us through the microwave in the corner. <laughs> Who knows if Anony, she'll probably start releasing these next week yeah. and we're all in trouble. Yeah. So we might be reviewing this next week, with, but it could be six or seven songs we don't quite know yet. No, yeah. I mean, like, you know, like, like this is a more, a more interesting thing of, a, of an artist being esoteric for me. But again, like I say, I'm willing to announce that I would definitely probably have take issue with this if I didn't like her. Yeah. It's a sign, uh, obviously, of, you know, how how the music industry has changed. And, uh, I mean, if you want something other than a CD or anything of that sort to enjoy your music, Dave... What is Taylor Swift offering her fans? Well, Cullum, she is offering her fans non-downloadable multimedia content in the nature of audio recordings. Yes. 
That's non-downloadable multimedia content in the nature of audio recordings. This is the best thing I've heard since Craig's boss told him to make a list of influencers across the various verticals and outreach accordingly. <laughs> I'm still working on that list. <laughs> All I know is that there's mammoth deliverables at stake here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a callback that no one will get. Uh, yeah, although to be fair as well, like Taylor Swift apparently might not be doing this. Um, it was suggested that she was going to be launching her own streaming service uh, that was going to be just Taylor Swift. Um, that's very... Like megalomaniac kind of, I don't know. It's very strange. Well, isn't it's it? not really. What she's clearly doing there is asking her fans to buy her music online. I right? know, but it's kind I of mean, like it's kind of I don't know. Just the way it's phrased, it seems like we're going to get a Swift cast or something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, it's been denied. Yeah, so it's more of a personalized fan club app, complete with mer- uh, exclusive merchandise, audio, video, live performances, and the possibility of a mobile game of some sort. It's called Swifties. <laughs> it's like they've really thought that through. Swifties. It's like, do you remember when Kanye showed the world his um, video, video game, game of his mother ascending to heaven? Yeah. And everyone was just like, oh, God. To dude. be honest, listener, don't worry. We know it's a non story. I just wanted to talk about nonsense jargon. But I'm done with nonsense jargon for the week. So let's put a tent around this circus and move on to songs of the week. <laughs> Beautifully done. Thanks very much. Pick a number, boys. Three. Whoa. Okay. Right in there. Sorry. Very, very good. Let's go with Loa. The song is called The Bailey. I am terrified. I am terrified. This is love. This is government. These are plenty full of seven. Guys, who is Loa and what do we think? Uh, Loa is uh, Sally Matthew Garnett. Uh, she is Irish Sierra Leonean by descent. And we will obviously be kind of most familiar with her, I suppose, um, from featuring on Bantam's uh, choice nominated album, Move. Uh, this song has kind of been knocking about in live version for a little while. But um, this is obviously the studio update. And it feels to me as though it's been captured pretty well, Craig. Yeah, uh, it definitely sounds beautiful, um, and it's a kind of very forceful song in the right way, I think. It's huge, isn't it? It's huge, it's massive sounding, Um, she delivers massively, Um, and it's kind of, it's instantly in your head, I mean, it's a protest song, essentially, and that's the one thing, I mean, lyrically, it felt sometimes a bit... Like we're doing faux, I've just had a profound thought. It's a bit direct. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose that's kind of when you kind of get swept up in her mm-hmm. approach to it. Maybe that's not so important. But it sounded a bit like a throwback to me of like 90s pop. And I don't know. I was yep, half yep. thinking Heather Small or something like that. Yeah, and, there was a bit of that about yeah. it. And I mean, like it, it has the sort of size and the grandiosity, I think, like to, to be a protest track and, and, and like the heft to carry such a kind of a, a, a heavy load. Incendiary is the word I would use to describe it. It's a good track. word. Yeah, I think I, I think this is excellent. And I mean, like, I think uh, Bantam would be totally fine with us saying that, like, one of the reasons why he kind of got the bump that he got last year was because the first single he chose to release off Move, which was Take It, featuring Loa. Yeah. Her performance is captivating on that song and, and just as compelling here. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I've said before on the podcast, protest songs, I'm kind of getting a bit bored of them but this surprisingly won me over in as much as number one it's a protest song and number two you could argue that it's a poem I mean like, like, like this very 
I'd go even back further in the nineties. There's just there's something almost kind of timeless about this because it's just seventeen eighties. Yeah, so, I, you know, <laughs> we were all there, so it's fine. We we, we know what it was like. Uh, no, this is great, and it's just it's captivating, and I love the I love the arrangement of it as well. Yeah. I mean, I went back and I checked out the first track that kind of emerged in twenty fourteen, which was a bit more uh, orchestral, I guess you might want to say. Like it was kind of yeah. like strings were laden over it, and I like both versions, but this one kind of hit me a bit more. I, I think it, it has impact in all the right places, and it's a hell of a calling card for someone who we already know a lot about, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from. Yeah, well, the debut EP is called Disheart and it will be out on April 28th. It's already a name that we've kind of been looking out for, but at least now we will have a decent amount of material. To uh, judge her boy, I am going to go for track number four. Okay, this is Weezer and Feels Like Summer and oh boy. Yeah, there's Weezer, 2017, a.k.a. the answer to a question that nobody asked. Craig, you uh, picked this song, they're so back. why do you talk about it, yeah? They're back. They've been away a year, and they're back. <laughs> um, first of all, I will say, this doesn't feel like summer, really, at all, does it? I mean, it's clearly going for being a catchy, this like, feels like we. Hit. This feels like we booked an arena tour, and we better write a radio thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, this will sound great echoing around a half-empty Wembley <laughs> arena. <laughs> What's weirder? It, it, Bouncing it, off those empty yeah. seats. And What's weirder comes with the suggestion that the new album is going to be a little bit more bleak or whatever. Uh, It's been accompanied by a quote from Rivers Cuomo where he said, and seriously, I fucking quote this, okay? What could stand out more against white than black? He asked, yeah. to which you can only presume he continued none. Well, yeah, more black. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he also said it'd be a bit like the Beach Boys Gone Bad, which was like the Beach Boys after Brian Wilson. Left, yeah, and no one clearly was hanging out with Charles Manson. Like, what, what, what was he talking about? It's clearly not Berlin coming here. I mean, at the same time, though, like this isn't the worst thing I've ever <laughs> Sorry, heard. It's clearly not Berlin. <laughs> uh, like the album by oh, Lou Reed. No, but yes. I'm just like, what a what a what a reference point. But I was just trying to think of the darkest <laughs> album that I yeah. could really, to be honest. Um, but like, the idea of Weezer doing that kind of I love it I love but this it. is just this is Weezer in a nutshell really isn't it like it, it, it's like a whisper over three minutes it's you know something of a poppy hook and like disposable as all hell the, yeah they've yeah. always had that goofy thing in them but just in recent years by all accounts though last year's uh, kind of self-titled album which had a white cover hence mm. the yeah we got the white album and the one previous to that were kind of semi-returns to form. Now, I didn't investigate them because we've been burned so many times before and, frankly, life's too short. But it seemed like fans were actually thinking, oh my God, they're on a bit of a roll. We might just get, if this is a dark kind of record, we could get some very interesting stuff and then this just lands. And it's like we're back to Hurley and Ratitude and hip-hop and River singing about a bathrobe. It's oh yeah, they did put Hurley from Lost on the cover when they were didn't they? Fuck off! Yeah, I think that was self-titled as well, but it just became known as Hurley. Of course, yeah. <laughs> of course. A band I never quite understood. Uh, Buddy Holly's great though. First two records are insanely good. Pick a number. I'm gonna go number one. He's back. It's Frank Ocean. I sleep both sides like Chanel I sleep both sides like Chanel 
my pockets snug They can't hold my seven, they ban my visa My Amex and MasterCards I got new money and it's all cash I got and they're very popular in the No Encore end of year songs and albums list. In fact, mm-hmm. it, Blonde, of course, was our album of the year. And I think he charted four times in our songs. It got a bit ridiculous, five, to be yeah. honest. Uh, out of 20. So we're fans. Yeah. So we, we'd be remiss if we didn't. Uh, he's The crux of this <laughs> is he has got a Apple Music show called Blonded, in which he kind of picks tunes and does the odd little slight thing. And he, did, yeah, just dropped Chanel. It came out of nowhere. And what do we think? Yeah, I mean, he did the impossible and made me like Calvin Harris a couple of weeks ago. He's like, he's, great, he's re- he can do anything. Um, Chanel might be the song of the year so far. I mean, I think it's very, very good. Um, it has that kind of floating piano, like on the same cloud as Pink and White, maybe from the last record. But as apart from that, I mean, it's got a propulsive thing that we haven't heard really since Channel Orange. So it seems like he's stepping away maybe from the introspective stuff. But I think the most remarkable thing is how honest he is in the lyrics. I mean, it's probably his most blatant discussion of his bisexuality that we've heard. And he's also really good at doing that thing where, like, I'm rich now, but it's it really enjoy- you can enjoy it with him almost because he picks really good, like, here's the stuff I'm buying and I think it's kind of great and it's clever and it's just, that will get annoying, but at the moment I'm kind of enjoying it. I'm not sure if I'm fully on board with that idea, to be honest. I mean, I think, uh, I think musically, like, the song is fantastic and as ever his delivery, like, his wordplay and his flowy notes, it's, it's all as enjoyable as usual. Like, I just feel as though maybe he's just trying to do slightly too much on this track. Really? He's spreading okay. himself slightly thin. The hooks not- are so good, man. Listen, like I say, there there is so much to like here, but I feel as though, like, basically, yeah, the hooks are so good. There's maybe three tracks worth here, and they could <laughs> actually have been split up, and things could have been explored in a little more depth. Mm. I feel like he's spreading himself thin, Dave. I would agree with that, although I love the song, and I think it would actually fit in perfectly on Blonde. But no, there's almost... Yeah, you're right. There's almost too much going on here, but that's not a bad thing. I'm willing to kind of be like, you know, like, wow, my diamond shoes are too tight. You know, it's like, <laughs> fuck it. You know, like, this is fine. Uh, and I love, as Craig says, I love his references to his own life. I like the opening lines, you know, uh, my, yeah. my guy pretty like a girl. He got fight stories to yeah. tell. I see both sides like Chanel. That's just really, really impressive. It's a short story. It says so much in just three lines. Uh, I see both sides of this song. I mean, I, I, I do love it. I do see the arguments against it. I'm worried that I'm going to get sick of it pretty quickly I'm worried that it might be a bit slide and I, I think I prefer Slide the Calvin Harris song a Slide is definitely 100% breezier and it's more of a just kind of pleasure rush but I just think yeah. this is a continuation of that in the sense that he just is on such a high from the kind of you know commercial success of Blonde and getting his masters and feeling like he's in a place where he's secure financially that he's just enjoying kind of having that creative freedom and just this is kind of you know breakout um, you know everything's going great let's the enjoy th- the moment thing Yeah. the other thing that I'd say about this track given that you know like there are just kind of like you know brief touches of, of this and that and the other that like I feel as though could fit in very well as a puzzle piece down the road as in something that actually like gives context or is given context by what's to come sure. and so on and so forth I think even when you talk about you know things like his most honest lyrics about his, his bisexuality which is something that people were genuinely no fucking weirdos if you ask me but people were genuinely like well where's this gone on blonde you know yeah. and this has finally answered their questions i feel as though that could be happening a lot even if there's another record down the road we could be looking back to this and saying oh, okay now some of this makes sense i should point out that given it took so long and there was so much teasing and so much oh it's happening oh it's not happening like with blonde and with everything else 
the notion that we're even complaining about getting too much Frank oh, listen, is, yeah. you know, yeah, we, you know, slap on the wrist for us. I think mm-hmm. I will say that uh, Chanel, the brand, have actually reached out. Would you believe they put up a couple of ads today? And, you know, people were like, what's going on? to us or to Frank? Uh, they reached out to Frank. <laughs> oh. Oh, damn it. We're not, we're not getting free uh, couture or whatever. I don't know what the fuck they do. You just use a shower gel. <laughs> anyway, uh, the ads... they are getting free couture. They have clarified... <laughs> no, that's, a, that's the title of the app. Yeah. Not getting free couture. They have clarified oh, that... that pronunciation. <laughs> they have clarified that they're... Yeah. Can you tell I'm a smart, casual kind of guy, listener? Uh, they've clarified that the ads do not signify further collaboration with Frank Ocean. This is simply our way of acknowledging his nod to Chanel in his latest single. It's a very clever metaphor as well. I really like it. Anyway. Yeah. We have one song left. Let's go for it. Try and pronounce this name, Cullum. Ho oh, 9999. <laughs> That's incorrect. They're called Horror. This song is the United States of Horror. And it sounds like this. He came up short. <laughs> the song for me comes up big. I saw these guys at Body and Soul last year. I didn't know who they were. I was just kind of hanging around after Bitch Falcon that took to the stage. And I was blown the fuck away. They're incredible. Uh, the comparisons to Death Grips make sense, but I think they're worthy. And I think they're doing their own thing quite well as well. That gig was nuts. It genuinely brought me back to, you know, again, my Kerrang days. And there was something kind of dangerous about it. In fact, at one point, one of them did a flip dive into the crowd on some poor girl. Oh, so that's literally dangerous. Who didn't get up for a while. Yeah, you don't want to see that at a gig. But at the same time, what a band. As a matter of fact, uh, their set by Southwest set got shut down there because uh, they were a bit too raucous and a, b- a bunch of underage kids got in. And yeah, it was all, everyone was told to just go home. Look, these guys are crazy. I mean, I'm not going to lie. With a K, I will say. The jury's still out on these guys as far as I'm concerned because... Yeah. Sometimes I think it's a little too crazy. Sometimes it's lacking the, the the sort of tightness, like a good hook like this song has. I've listened to some of their stuff and I'm just not feeling it. More of it I do like, and it's not even a Goldilocks effect, really. It just comes and goes. But this, this is quality. I love this. Yeah, it is it's aggressive. A, it's a banger. It, it's a proper banger. It's got that fuzzy, industrial sort of hip-hop slash rock sound or something like glitchy almost about it in fact literally glitch mob this is, is what, what I, I want this is what I, I want this. Kanye West to do with his next record I want him to go back to Jesus and then go <laughs> even harder <laughs> but the thing is as well like I mean these lyrics are so I mean, it's, it's angry and it's aggressive and it's quite efficient as well I mean Aside, perhaps, from the bit of a, you know, everybody out there who feels that talky bitch toy, I can do without that. But everything else on this, this is absolutely fantastic. It's so direct. It's so immediate. Um, it's sharp and it's exciting. And yeah, I'm feeling it. Yeah, I would draw comparisons to Bone Crusher's Never Scared, which for me is a massive thing to say because that slams. And so does this. And it has that feel of, you know, you're in a city at night where everything's really kicking off. I believe they played The Gathering of the Juggalos before, and that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I think they also supported Dillinger. Like, they're that kind of band that yeah. really ties in oh, and God, gets that kind of me- yeah, metal crowd. So I can understand if you're loving this stuff. Now, I will say, their other stuff hasn't been... I don't think they quite have that experimental thing or the kind of genuine sense of, like, threat that, like, a Death Grips has. Like, I just don't think they believe it as much. I think it's more kind of cartoon horror at times. 
and they just don't have that slamming kind of okay we're really out there they've also fucked with their track See, listing is, on their press this is the thing because the album comes out in the first week of May the album of the same name and I want to be able to counter the points that are being made in front of me right now but I quite, can't quite do it and here's why I have the album and uh, my stream all the tracks are not in the right order and I'm like uh, oh are you, are you, you're, anarchy you're, yeah you're, you're that much of an anarchist band are you fucking serious can I not listen to the album like in the right order because I don't know I haven't actually emailed the people or maybe I should but like so I'm kind of like dotting about being like here we go so I will say that the two listens I've tried to give it a go of so far have been very enjoyable but I can't quite let you know from there yet okay. but I would agree I would agree that Decrips are the more raw genuinely terrifying yeah that's the maybe but then again if you saw these guys live man Oh yeah, but, you wearing, know if if they can go to a Juggalos gathering, they're pretty real. As one well. of them was wearing a hoodie <laughs> with like a, the poster of that Snoop Dogg film Bones on it. You oh, know? An you don't know what you're going to get. As hardcore as it gets, isn't it? <laughs> well, let's uh, change the change the needle on the old record there, shall we? Let's. A few months ago on the program, we talked about a song called "After the After Party" by Charlie XCX. Cullum revealed his distaste for that kind of bubblegum pop music, so let's listen to ten tracks of it, shall we? Charlie XCX has brought out a mixtape, apparently not a proper album. It's called Number One Angel, and it sounds like this. I'm a dreamer, stab, stab out the beamer, about to do it big, stretch, stretch, limousine, I'm a dreamer, stab, stab out the beamer, angel in the clouds, rain down, best believer, I'm a dreamer. So, that's the opening track, Dreamer, from Number One Angel. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty here, Colin, why don't you tell us about your shopping experience today? Oh, yeah. I wasn't expecting this to come up. Uh, I did the big shop. The big shop. The big shop. Capital T, capital B, capital S. Apparently, it was the biggest ever shop as well. It was the biggest ever shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never had, past 200. Never had a higher bill than this before. North of 200 euro. <laughs> yeah. It was it the Paddy's Day weekend. Keeps it 200. It was a seriously big shop. But either way, I was like, you know, bouncing around Tesco. Uh, just <laughs> avoiding the senior citizens that tend to clog the aisles at about like two o'clock on a Thursday. And next thing, uh, lip gloss from this mixtape dropped, which has one of the filthiest uh, introductions or entrances let's of a rapper a, I've ever heard. Let's have a quick listen, shall we? Uh, can I just, before we drop it, if you're listening to this in your office... Put in headphones now, or just skip ahead for any. Do you seconds. think people blare this podcast out in an office? I assume productivity increases by two hundred percent. Well, it won't when you hear Cupcake do this. possibly be getting at I don't have no idea she's, she's a very uh, demure lady talking in a I don't understand all the lyrics on this album but I like it <laughs> Charlie XCX is known for being quite provocative mm. uh, I'm gonna suggest that she enjoys sex I, I, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I Which can doesn't hear that. matter, but I mean, like, like I, 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 she is kind of an, like, you know, like that kind of a edgy pop star, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I think she's just a modern pop star. In is she though? No, yeah. I, I, I like mean, I'm, the, like, come I, on, we've I, crossed all barriers. I feel it's, like she's quite open about it. Whereas beyond the beyond, 
But like, which is fine. I mean, like, it's it's good. I mean, like, uh, and I I'm, I'm a fan. I, I thought her hobbies include partying, for God's sake. Oh, of course, her hobbies include partying. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was a big fan of sucker. Yeah. And actually, you know what? I really liked After the After Party, and I was kind of yeah. upset to see that it didn't close this record. I thought it should. Well, I, this is the thing. It's a radio record. It's such a... Her this. career's been so strange so far, hasn't yeah. it? Because we got the kind of True Romance album where she was into, like, Tarantino and also being a bit goth and stuff, and it was really good. And then it took ages for, like, Sucker, which was kind of supposed to be a crossover, but didn't quite work. And in between, she wrote some of, like, the biggest pop songs for other people. Yeah, yeah. And then, then there was an EP last year Broom, Broom, which, which was I, just wacky. I didn't like it. It was too esoteric. I thought it was very interesting. It was with PC like Music, her back on this, which yeah. I think are very interesting production-wise. And then with this, this mixtape, which is... She wanted to put it out for free because she said her proper third album wasn't ready. But I think Atlantic said... No, you can't do that because it has to go on Spotify. And what if it gets bad reviews? So you can now buy it on iTunes, but it's still a mixtape, but it's not really. Well, yeah, so it's when, very when confusing. When is a mixtape not an album? Like I think it's it just supposed to be something you throw it for free. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, like when you bring in sort of like you know some big name collaborators, some big name producers, for and example, sell for the example, record. last year's record that everyone loved except me, Coloring Book by Chance the Rapper. He's insisting it's a mixtape. That's a fucking album, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it is. So, it, it, of course, I, it is. I don't really understand the culture get, behind mixtapes. You can't get Grammys for a mixtape. At least not in my book. You can't. Um, this though, ten tracks. I liked it. No way! Fucking I yeah! I can't believe it. I was so, what? Did I was, you think I wasn't going to? I thought you were going to hate this. You know, what? I thought he'd love it. I hated after the after party because it was just too twee. It sounded like. It sounded like something that people would make with toy instruments on a Jimmy Fallon segment. Plus, you've got beef with Lil Yachty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go way back, Lil, Lil Yachty. Yeah, you with Ham Zimmer, me with Lil Yachty. Um, <laughs> I need a beef. We'll, we'll figure yours out. Okay, sounds okay. like a rap line in itself. Um, no, this, <laughs> this, this I thought was great. Um, yeah, I like, really enjoyed it. Because I think what it does is it takes that kind of off-the-wall PC music style from the last EP... But it introduces more of her kind of proper songwriting chops. And it tones down some of the... Like, they've become known for... Like, they're this London art collective that have kind of changed dance pop. Because they've, you know, gone into this hyper-realism thing where... Essentially, I think the main guy, A.G. Cook, says... He'd rather just use the most basic sounds on his computer. So you can basically... I don't know. It's like a post-irony take on dance pop slash trance from the 90s. That's the episode (laughs) title right there. (laughs) But it's kind of interesting. Like, it's so much more refreshing than just fucking tropical beats. Like, I kind of like what they're doing. Some of it's obnoxious, but when it works, it kind of reminds me of when Hudson Mohawk came out. And you're like, oh, this is actually very refreshing right now. Yeah, Um, I mean, mixtape album or not, whatever way you want to classify it, this feels like the flexing of muscles. This really feels like someone who's like, yeah, I'm that good. I can just throw out 10 tracks and they've all been written to a certain style, a certain format. Now, I will say that I, I'm a fan. I think, I think this is great. But I will say that a friend of mine who I thought would be into this book wasn't noted that uh, he thought it was a, it sounded like someone doing an album of Rihanna impersonations. You know what? This now, is- I, I will say the homogenousness does kind of creep in a little bit before it's all said and done. But sorry, go on. No, what I was going to say is that like I, I can kind of get, I'm not sure about Rihanna, but like I can get the idea of kind of covers or whatever before I'd you know, kind of found out what this project was properly when I thought it was just a mixtape in the t- sort of traditional sense of a mixtape. I thought maybe she's just taken beats that she had no part in being involved in yeah. and has thrown some vocals over them. And that, I think, kind of tells its own story that the music here really does kind of speak for itself. It is party music, it for the most part, and it is incredibly well produced. Yeah, It's absolutely spotless-like. 
Um, clearly she and the team that she's working with, PC Music heading it up, but like a bunch of others involved as well, um, obviously know their way around what they're doing. And the star turns, like for me, a lot of them are actually coming from the guests. Oh yeah, excellent, um, excellent features in this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm always wary of too many features, but they're pretty much all spot on here. And it, like for me, it felt as though Charlie XCX herself was kind of taking a step back, at least from being the voice of the record. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I mean, yeah, some of the highlights do cr- come from the guests, but you always feel like she's kind of at the centre of things and very much in control. It doesn't feel like she was shoved in a room or, you know, sent no, no, any, I, I think you know, it a foil. Like, I, I think it feels like she's sharing the wealth. Like, it's yeah. almost yeah. Like, like a showcase for some artists that we might not know. I mean, I know Mo is here, but like, and Uffy as well. But like, there are people I'd never heard of before, including uh, Colm's favourite cupcake. And yeah, it's definitely a showcase for everybody here. Because <laughs> That's the title, Colm's favourite cupcake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the strange thing about this record is uh, is that like you could argue that it's one long song, but I, I really yeah. enjoy that a bit. Although I mean, th- that said, I mean like you know midway through the, the record, the track "Emotional," mm-hmm. which I think is the standout. Oh, really? In terms of, uh, in terms of like you know the uh, melody. Yeah, and in terms of like you know like not that this matters, but like marketability. Because for example, I hear a lot of Taylor Swift blank space on that track yeah there is there, I think that kind of that, rousing I was disappointed in that song I like the track a lot because you know what I mean like I, I I thought the track was okay but I do get what you mean about the two Swift oh yeah this right was there. like this could be your crossover into like this is on the radio loads but also when you're just and this is maybe my problem with the mixtape overall like when she wants to be she can be so interesting and engaging lyrically but on this there wasn't a huge amount of that yeah. and certainly emotional where your big kind of skyscraping hook is just like I'm so emotional it was kind of like is this a parody of just I'm now singing the emotional bit yeah. like and there was lots of that where I mean likes of 3am pull up I felt was a bit generic and certainly lyrically it did that as well um but there were some nice touches i mean baby girl was just great i thought because it was kind of clever and knowing but also kind of quite sexy and it was just it did that kind of i suppose what pc music are going for which was just like kind of a take on disposable pop but getting it to such a perfect fun state like it was it's a lot of this is so much better than just the kind of po-faced everything is shit pop music we're getting right now do you know what i mean it's actually really good fun and, and the that, that was feel, yeah, the tracks feel like they're actually about something. Yeah. I mean, and even like the first track, Dreamer, like I, I love the construction of it. Yeah, it's it's great. I will say that I would love to hear her return to something like you know, Nuclear Seasons, which I think is a excellent kind of you know throwback, almost sure. New Order referencing pop song. But at the same time, I mean, if she's just going to come on and go, well, here's ten tracks of this style, and they're this good. Grand. Yeah, the the question I guess is though, like you know, if she's going to throw out ten tracks of this style on a mixtape. I mean, does that suggest that they don't factor into what album number three proper is meant to be? Yeah, and then are we going to end up disappointed with album number three? Because apparently it's kind of, it's tied up or it's kind of getting done. Is this her actually doing what she wants to do? And we're going to get a bunch of weird compromises on the, I don't know. It, it, it's just going further into really that question of like, you know, what do we see as being a mixtape? What's an album? What, and blah, also the, her was... career where it's just like she's having massive songs, but not her own songs. And, and then when she kind of has a big song, there's... A delay of six months before she capitalized. It's so Plus, weird. There's also the whole thing about. I mean, she's like, 24, but like. The whole, the whole thing, like, like the, the semantics about what this album is, I would hope that it doesn't get lost in the shuffle or fly under the radar too much because it's really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it, it is a very good album, and uh, yeah, you hope it's going to get uh, the attention it deserves. As, as Craig said, like, she's, she's 24, you know, she, she'll be grand. Time. She'll be grand, yeah. Don't <laughs> just fly. Charlotte Atchison. She'll, she, she'll survive this. Yeah. Um, let's give it numbers 7.5. 
I'll go eight, yeah. Yeah, I'll go eight as well, actually. Wow. I really enjoyed this. Big scores. Uh, despite what the lads had expected. Uh, in terms of other things to listen to this week, I have to jump in, actually, and say that <laughs> because I missed last week, it was only this week that I'd familiar, familiarised myself with uh, Ed Sheeran's latest opus. Oh, really? Oh, okay, you okay. went there. Right. I did, I, well, I we, went we there. We gave you the week off, man. It was quite extraordinary. Yeah, but when I listened to you, I was like... I want to know what they're talking about here. It is so, ba- so baffling. You kind of have to have a have a listen. It is because, like, to be honest, yeah, you're listening, going through it track by track, and you're like, no, oh no, he couldn't. Did he? Wow. Yeah. Uh, what I what I was just worried is that you missed out on a. There's a song called Barcelona. Deluxe edition, mate. I stayed away from it. True, but where he pronounces the word sangria. Oh my with god! The yeah. most incredible. Yeah. Yeah, like David Starr has a story about a teacher that used to talk about Nicaragua, and like he's one step away from that. It's kind of problematic in a lot of patches, but anyway, it is problematic in a lot of patches. As a matter of fact, uh, Laura Snape's review in Pitchfork, and there was an article in Playboy of all places as well, which just totally called out his uh, alleged toxic masculinity. So I think Ed is going to have a gigantic backlash here. But again, I he's bulletproof. Yeah, I mean, gigantic by what you know, he'll be fine. But what else have we been listening to? Uh, I've been quite taken by this track that's been doing the rounds. It came out last month, and I saw a lot of people posting about it. I saw Jay posting about it. I saw Another Nine. I saw Bantam all posting the link to this video and kind of banging on about it. And I'm so resistant to hype. Like, I, I, I just really, I run a mile from it. And then eventually, curiosity got the better of me. And I checked out a track called Territory by a French production duo called The Blaze. Um, I think they're a duo at least I mean I can't confess yeah to. They, they are and what's more like yeah don't feel bad as well because nobody knows who they are well uh, they're, they're actually people, in that... with, people with their fingers on the dance scene on the dance scene <laughs> pulse that we don't usually have know who they are no 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 I mean as in like nobody knows the actual identity oh, of the like two a, people it's to like me. a The weekend type thing yeah it? it doesn't it, everyone yeah, do jungle. <laughs> it is that thing where they've released one or two videos Obviously, they don't seem to be starring in the videos. As far as we know, they are both musicians and directors. So those videos are literally their own work. Um, but it is a—it's an incredible marriage of audio and visual. I mean, like I, I think I encourage everyone to go and check it, like to listen to this track while watching the video, which is an excellent, mm-hmm. uh, very interesting kind of ambiguous, uh, am- ambiguous kind of tale of like masculinity and love and freedom, and you know, kind of perhaps some potential perils as well. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing a really bad job describing it for a reason. Just go and check it out. The track's amazing, and I—I I, I wish I was more into dance and house and that kind of stuff. Like I, I find that kind of aspect of music to be quite challenging, and if you're not into it properly I mean like I was talking to a friend of mine about it who really knows his stuff and I'm you know going to try and learn some more from him but I, I just it's I, I, I can't quite you know casually hang in that realm because I think you right. just can't I think you got to know your stuff uh, all I will say though is that the sound of this is fucking phenomenal and to bring back a no encore staple guys Sounds really fucking good in headphones. Oh, of course it does, Dave. I thought <laughs> no, you... it sounds amazing it's on headphones. Stunning, <laughs> stunning. Yeah, shut up. Shut on up, headphones. Shut up. Fuck off. Um, Check yeah, it out, please. No, territory. No, it is good. Yeah, and watch the video with it. I must say, I'm I'm not overly convinced by the tracks themselves. To be honest, I like my uh, French house to be slightly more substantial. I know that sounds so patronising as I say it out loud. <laughs> Another episode well, title right there. I feel I, we're, we're, for choice we're fighting title. them off. Oh, God, classics. Right. And uh, yeah, Craig doesn't like music anymore because he drank too much in Amsterdam. Yeah. I was on the continent, so I was listening to a good bit of Serge Gainsbourg again as I got through Jesus this week. Christ. Have you listened to Serge Gainsbourg? It must be exhausting to be you sometimes. <laughs> Go back, that French wizard. Cool, do you want to pimp that really average track that we didn't put in songs of the week? Oh, Joel Goddard's new one, is it? <laughs> well, who else? Like I fell asleep <laughs> He's half back. halfway through it. Well, you said you liked it, and then you said you didn't. I was, what I said was, this is nice, and then I said, actually, no, no, I'm not going to commit to nice. 
because I'm a bit bored now. I think he liked it emotionally and then critically he thought, oh no, I shouldn't be enjoying this. I yeah. think it's a guilty pleasure. It's a fucking disco throwback and they all sound the same. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what else comes out. Uh, obviously, uh, X and I guess current Hot Chip and just kind of on hiatus or in a kind of a just solo go back and listen to Hot Chip. They're great. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> you, you know, you kind of have the feeling that like you know he could pull something pretty good oh, out. Very, I mean, yeah, like obviously true. he and Alexis Taylor have kind of been the the driving force behind that band. So. Yeah. Um, going to be interesting to see what else comes out, but yeah, clearly a little bit of a divergence from the day job. Gentlemen, we've come to the end of the show. Craig has stayed awake, and I Yay. admire and applaud him for it. Thanks, guys. Thank you it both. It hasn't been a struggle, it's been a joy. Thank you both, it's been great to have you back. Nice to close us out, as always, Eggs and Music, a hot new Irish track. And in this situation, we'll go for one, a track that kind of reminded me of Matthew Deere, and that's high praise coming from me. Uh, this is Proper Micro NV, the name of the track is Do What You Do. It's the project of a, a lad by the name of Rory Hall, and if you want to check him out, they're actually playing in the Bellow Bar at this new kind of uh, Future Proof, is the name of the month, first in the monthly series of new music that's coming on, uh, which sounds pretty good. But uh, yeah, uh, I will say that Roy contacted me by accident uh, to, to send me this track. Sorry, man, I'm going to bury you. Uh, he he sent me saying like, okay, lads, you know, like we're playing the Bella Bar and, you know, here's the songs we need to learn. And he, then he was like, oh shit, sorry, I didn't mean to email you. I don't even know how you had my email address. Told him that if you needed a drummer to shout me and instead he asked me to plug his track. So I will. It sounds like it was orchestrated by him. Because I admire the man's gumption and I admire Shit's the spot. track. I think it's a really good track. Unfortunately, he'll regret it massively when Craig emerges from behind with a keytar halfway through his set. <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> well, well you know, it, Roy. still not getting the use out of Rakita. You gotta get payback. This is proper micro envy. This is do what you do. My name is Dave Hannity. This has been no encore. There shall be no encore. We will return next week for further tales of Ed Sheeran talking about nothing. I suppose. Yeah. Sangria. <laughs> Mr. Turn, Sensei, you make me up at night. Fall apart, Mr. Turn, make a new start, you make me up. Fall apart Make a new start Sense I me Send the side.
missed your turn Send me sorry You make me yearn Fall apart, missed your turn Make a new start, make me out This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. <laughs> Thanks. <coughs> Should on your research, mate. Peacock fuels your true crime obsession with exclusive new originals. John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise. Clowns can get away with murder. And Epstein Shadow, Ghislaine Maxwell. She inherited Jeffrey Epstein's secrets. Plus the most bingeable crime series, Snapped. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.